0: How about that? Yeah, wrote that song this week. Yeah, Dr. Hackett knew that I did. Hey, you know, you didn't need us. You didn't need us to tell you what today is for you to see the video. You already knew it. In fact, can I just put it this way? If you're a guy and you have a girlfriend or a fiance or a wife and you're in your right mind, you know what today is. And some of you guys are thinking, of course I do. That's why I went out yesterday, the last minute, and got our brand new vacuum cleaner. I know exactly what today is. And uh, we're going to talk today, because it's Valentine's, uh, we're going to talk about relationships, specifically why marriage matters. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting into this talk with you. And uh, you know, there's only so much that you can say in 34, 35 minutes. So at the end, I'm just telling you ahead of time, you may want to have your camera ready, because I'm going to have the guys put up some resources on the screen that uh, we're recommending for you to to check out. Now, before we get into what we're going to talk about today, how many of you know I love stories how many of you know this wave at me if you do I love stories how many of you know that the litmus test for me is if I read something and it's funny and if I don't if it's comedic in nature but it doesn't make me laugh out loud I just scratch it but if I read something and it makes me laugh out loud then um you know, I, uh, I'll bring it with me sometimes. And I've already tried this out on oh, my friend and sister, and they seem to enjoy it. I'll see what you think, and I'll just share the story with you. Are you ready? You want to hear it? Yes. You do? Okay, I'll give it to you. After 30 years of marriage, a husband and a wife went in for some counseling. The wife immediately went into a tirade listing every problem they had ever had in all the years they had been married. On and on she went, neglect, lack of intimacy, emptiness, loneliness, feeling unloved and unlovable, an entire laundry list of unmet needs that she had endured over the years. Finally, the therapist got up, walked around the desk, and after asking the wife to stand, he embraced and kissed her long and passionately as her husband watched with a raised eyebrow. The woman shut up immediately and quietly sat down as though she was in a daze. The therapist turned to the husband and said, This is what your wife needs at least three times a week. Can you do this? He said, Well, I can drop her off on Mondays and Wednesdays, but I fish on Fridays. So just thought, I'd toss it out. What do you do? Same reaction I got from my sister and my friends. Our very first verse, let's take a look at it right up here on the screen. God gives the gift of the single life to some, the gift of the married life to others. Now look at the passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, the B part of verse 7. And uh, who wrote this first letter to the believers living in Corinth? Anybody remember? Paul. It was the apostle Paul. Anybody know what his marital status was? He was unmarried. Uh, Paul never got married, as far as we can tell, what scholars tell us. So he was a single adult. So what is Paul saying in this? He is, in essence, saying, and you see the verse, it's right there on the screen, what Paul is saying, that not everybody should get married. That some people have the gift of getting married, while others have the gift of of being single. This is Paul, the great, no lightweight in the Bible. This is like a major Bible character, and this is what he's saying. So, Paul is letting you and I know that, biblically speaking, it's not right or wrong. It's not good or bad. Some people have the gift of being married. Some people have the gift of being single. And some of you may be thinking, well, how do I know whether or not I have the gift of being single? And a good way to sort of think that through is if you're ever thinking or wanting to get married, you're like, you know what, I'm single now, uh, but I'd like to get married one day. Then there's a high probability that you don't have uh, the gift of being single. If you're like, hey, you know, I've been single all this time. I'm fine with it. I'm cool with it. You know, Uh, then there's a possibility. But Paul is just saying, hey, some people have this gift, some have another. Now, regardless of the state that you're currently in, whatever that state is, you may be single, uh, you might be divorced, you might be married, you might be separated, you might be widowed, there's still a verse that applies to all of us, no matter what our status in that regard might would be. And here's the verse, and it's sort of a launching point for what we're going to talk about. Marriage should be honored by Everyone By everyone. Now, why is that important? Why would that even be uh, in the scriptures? And and you know what? The relevancy of it today is so incredibly profound because we're living in a stage in culture. And you know this. You don't need me to tell you this, but it's so true that we're living in an era. We're living in a culture that uh, that marriage is being redefined in so many different ways. And we could talk about that in detail, but I'm going to move so quickly because I've got a lot I want to share with you. But uh, you don't need me to tell you that in our current culture marriage is being redefined in many respects marriage is ridiculed It's demeaned it's denounced it's discouraged And so what i'm going to do in the next few moments and i'll have to move quickly So you'll have to type quickly or write quickly. I want to give you in the next few moments six reasons for marriage. Whether you ever choose to get married or not, uh, no matter what that is, uh, six reasons for marriage. One writer stated this, and this is so good. I wish I were smart enough to have come up with it on my own. So I'm just quoting somebody much smarter than me. This writer says, the reality is marriage will not solve all your problems. How many of you have already figured that out? Marriage will not solve all of your problems. Here's another thing this writer says. Marriage does not create all of your problems. Some of you are saying, well, I never had problems until I got married. That's not true. You had problems. In fact, this writer goes on to say what marriage actually does is it reveals problems. Marriage simply magnifies what's already a problem. Uh, Gary Smalley is a great family counselor for many, many years. I think he passed away uh, back in 2016. How many of you have ever heard the name Gary Smalley? Wrote so much about marriage. And this is another one of those things while I was working on this talk that when I read it, it just sort of made me chuckle out loud. This is what he said. And I quote Gary Smalley, this profound marriage counselor said the most difficult years of marriage are the ones following the wedding." Think about that for a moment. <laughs> I couldn't leave that alone once I read it. All right, you ready? You ready to go? Yes. Six reasons why marriage matters. Number one, I told you I'll move quickly so that men and women might enjoy a committed relationship. And uh, I'll mention you know, uh, a couple of times so you're sure to get it, so that men and women might enjoy a committed relationship. Let's go back uh, to one of Paul's letters to the Corinthian believers. And this is what he says, as far as... As the Lord is concerned, read this phrase with me. Everybody, let's read it together. Men and women need each other. Now, I know that we could throw back all of a sudden to our current culture, referencing today's culture once again, and sort of a, a thinking that says, you know, and we hear it, we see it, we watch it, people write about it. And it's it's from one of two perspectives. It's the perspective of some in culture would say, women don't need men? Are you kidding me? We're not dependent upon men. And you can flip that over on the other side. And those who would say, well, why would a man even need a woman? Now, I don't have time to like deeply explore each one of these six things but this is what i believe and uh, a lot of writing by a lot of brilliant people bear this out that even if you're not married even if you're not married there are healthy benefits to having men and women healthy relationships of men and women in our lives and you know while i was working on this talk my mind immediately went back to to genesis the genesis account when god created adam and how many of you know that between God creating uh, Adam uh, and Eve, then Eve between those two times, what did God also create? God created um, so much more. He He created all the animals. How many do you? How many of you uh, like the assignment that God gave to Adam? He said to Adam, "Here's what I want you to do. It, it's it, this is how it plays out in my mind. I'm going to parade all of these animals in front of you, and I'll just bring them by one by one, and As I do, I want you to go ahead and and you just name them. That's your responsibility. That's your fundamental responsibility. As our first human being on the earth, I'm going to bring all these animals. I've created them, but I've not given them names. I'm going to leave that up to you. And so, uh, you know, he just starts naming them one after. the other. How many of you believe on the front edge of that, that uh, Adam came up probably with some pretty cool names? We don't know the the order that God brought them before Adam, but he's just like, I think we ought to call that. Wow, that's... uh, and he just, and, but how many of you know, after a while, his creative juices probably waned a little bit. And so sometimes when you're looking at an animal and you're like, wow, that's a strange name for an animal. Let's just say that at some point, Adam's creativity was stifled. And so he names all these animals. And then this is what it says. It's not on the screen, but in Genesis 2:20 it says, I love this phrase, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Nobody. Eve had not been created yet. And it's almost like God is doing this. And it goes back to this first reason why marriage matters, so that men and women might enjoy a committed relationship. It's like God is saying to Adam, here's what I want you to do. I want you to realize that you need companionship. You need companionship. Therefore, I am going to create for you Eve. Look at this verse. It's a great verse right up here on the screen. Then the Lord God said... It is not good for the man to be alone. Remember, no suitable helper was found for Adam. Here's what I'll do. I'll make a helper who is what? Just right. Just right for him. And as a result of that, God created Eve. So number one, why marriage matters. Number one, so that men and women might enjoy a connected relationship. Here's a second reason. A second reason. Marriage is used by God to multiply the human race. MARRIAGE IS USED BY GOD, IF YOU'RE TYPING IT OUT, WRITING IT OUT, MARRIAGE IS USED BY GOD TO MULTIPLY THE HUMAN RACE, THIS IS WHY WE'RE HERE, IT IS WHY I'M STANDING RIGHT HERE, why am I able to stand right here and talk with people that I love? And the reason why I'm able to do that is because my mom and my dad met. My mom was living in Atlanta, Georgia. My dad was living in a sprawling metropolitan city of Moultrie, Georgia. For those of you that have ever heard of Moultrie, if you haven't, you're like 92.8% of the population who has no idea where Moultrie, Georgia is. But they met and they got married and they had three kids. They started populating the planet. Now, let me just say this. This is a side note. The first one of the three was the best one of the flock. And I'll not walk you through our birth order. And I hope my sister and brother are not watching right now, although I think they watch every week. But, uh, you know, so my parents got together and they had three kids. Now, let me just say this. A lot of you know my story, and I have utter sensitivity. This is always a major thing for me. And my, my heart always feels for people that have walked through a divorce because, uh, my parents walked through a divorce and I really didn't even know that that they had problems. I mean, they'd get in arguments, but so were all of our other friends. Parents from time to time would have an argument and that would happen, but I really didn't know how great the struggles of my parents actually were until they sat us down and, and told us that they were gonna be getting a divorce. I was in ninth grade. I was 14 years of age. My sister, uh, she was 13. My brother was, well, I guess I just gave up the birth order. I apologize. I didn't mean to do that. When I said what I did, Earlier, but here we were, and we walked through that. And the reason I want to mention this is because, absolutely, I've seen it firsthand. I experienced it in my own family. Divorce is a painful thing. And many of you have walked through that, but I just want you to know, I want you to know that although it's exceedingly painful, it's not the end of the story. God is not in any respect uh, finished with you yet. I know all kind of people who, uh, you know, friends my, in my own family that have walked and it's, uh, you know, some people can just feel like, well, you know, where do I go from here. I don't, uh, you know, my life really can't have meaning in the future. And, You know, uh, the reality is God is not finished. And, uh, you know, I'm the product of coming out of that. You may have kids and you're like, man, we walked through a divorce and my my kids have been affected by that. And uh, I want to just say, hey, I'm I'm a product of that. I came out of that. And uh, look at how I turned out. Some of you are saying that 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 that's what scares me, Jeff, right there. What you just said. That's what scares me how you turned out. And what I'm just saying is God's not finished with you. So God populates the earth through a marriage. Now, this is important. This is what I want to share with you next. God is love. The Bible says this, God is love. And do you know that when God created you, just like God created Adam, God created uh, you to love you. Think about that. God is love. And when God created you, he created you to love you. But do you know this? When God created you, he also created you not only to love you, but to also teach you how to love. Now, how many of you know, I've already said it, uh, you knew it before I even said it, that God created everything. How many of you know this? Out of, the, it's, out of darkness, utter darkness, God created everything. And do you know of everything that God created, human beings are the best. We don't say that arrogantly. That's what the scripture says. God, it's like God is saving some of the best for last. And what God did, when God created us, out of all of God's creation, He only created human beings to have the capacity to love. Only human beings, out of everything that God created, God created human beings, the only one that has the capacity to really love. Uh, Cows cannot love. They can't. They can give milk, but they can't love. Um, Ants cannot love. They, They just can't. Chickens can't love. Squirrels can't love. Some of you are like, ooh, but I got you right here, Pastor Jeff. Dogs can love. Well, dogs can be affectionate, and dogs really are. You know, if I had a pet, that's probably the pet that I would have, and in fact, uh, you know, there was a pet that we had, and it wasn't technically our pet, but it was Brent's, but because it lived in our house, it became our pet, and so you you would say that the dog can be fond. Chance was his name, and we'd say Chance was fond of us. He had come around, and you know, he's a lovable dog, and I love Chance. I didn't want anybody in the family to know that I did, but I don't think Chance can love in return. And and I'll give you just one example. Uh, If chance peed on the tile floor and I slipped in it and fell in it and I'm covered in it and I have to go and take another shower. How many of you know he didn't love me? If he had loved me, he never would have done that. How many of you would agree? He, he knew. How many of you believe that dog knew? Uh, he knew who checked the door every night and he said, I'm going to leave him a little gift and he's going to come in here and he won't see it and he'll slip on it. Hey, That's not love. How many of you know that's not love? So, uh, uh, but nobody outside of human beings has the capacity to love. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. Look at this right up here on the screen. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, what did God say? Read it with me. Be fruitful and multiply. So God Uh, secondly, we're saying uses marriage to populate the human race. Now I want to be really, really clear on this. Um, if you're unable to have children, uh, that in no way means that God is in the least disappointed with you. I mentioned, you know, that when my mom and dad got married, they had three of us. And then after my parents divorced, both of them remarried and, uh, and then um, my mom and my stepdad, they had another child, so I actually have two sisters, and they're my sisters. I don't say, well, Debbie's my sister, and Jennifer's my half-sister. They're my sisters, and uh, Debbie, and Debbie may be watching right now because she watches every week, and and Debbie Wanted to have children, but she wasn't able to have children. And, uh, you know, that was something that was important to her. And so she wasn't able. But then God blessed her and my brother-in-law, my with this beautiful beautiful baby girl a number of years ago uh, kyla that they adopted that is just been a blessing in an enormous kind of way so i want to be clear on that because some people can get a little fuzzy on that if you're not able to have children does is god disappointed no that's it's it's for some unexplainable reason that sometimes happens as it did with my sister and my cousin and people that you know so we just needed to paint some clarity on that number three and i so much I want to say on each one, but I need to keep it moving. How many of you didn't know a Georgia boy could talk this fast? You thought they all talked slow, didn't you? All right, third reason why marriage matters for the protection of children. For the protection of children. See, there's nobody that loves kids the way that God loves kids. And God wants kids, children, to have a safe environment. Everybody, when they are born, and you are not the exception, everybody, when they were born, were born totally helpless. Do you ever have people have these kind of conversations? What's the first thing that you remember? What's the first thing that you remember? And, you know, I I don't have a great memory. I don't even, you know, I remember, like, where we lived and stuff. But, but I, don't, I don't remember things like when I was two or three years old. I hear some people talk, and you're like, hey, what's your very first memory? It's like, you know, I remember before my parents took me home just looking around the nursery at all these other babies. And, you know, and, and I, I don't have that kind of memory, so I don't remember. But, you know, what they tell me is I was like every other child born. I was pretty helpless. When you were born, when I was born, we were completely helpless. We couldn't feed ourselves. If so, we would have went to Chick-fil-A in our strollers at a very early age. We were we were dependent on somebody to feed us and to dress us and to change our diaper. How many of you were glad when they changed your diaper? And you probably don't even remember that, nor do I. But uh, trust me, it mattered. And you were reliant. I was reliant on somebody to not only feed us and dress us and change our diaper, but to train us and guide us and nurture us and protect us and see one of the things that's really really important to the heart of God is that every child needs a strong stable safe place to call home there's so many of you when I think about Debbie I think about so many of you that you also have opened your home to kids that did not necessarily were not necessarily I should say born into strong stable safe homes and you've opened up their home And you've made that a reality for them. And that's a huge thing. Again, a lot that I could say about this, but I want you to just look at one verse and you can hang on to it. This is out of the Proverbs. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress. I like this next part. And for their children, it will be a refuge. So God uses homes, safe, stable, strong homes to become a refuge, a secure place, a fortress for kids to live because God cares about kids. Would you agree? Say amen. 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 Reason number four. God uses marriage to shape our character. Some of you could tell your own story. But God uses marriage to shape our character. See, if you choose to get married in the future or you are married, there's no other relationship that uh, that has the opportunity to shape or grow your character like marriages do. Let's, let's go back to babies for just a moment. See, babies are not only born helpless. How many of you are in agreement with me that babies are also born selfish? If you agree with that, wave your hand at me. Babies are born selfish. They're not thinking of other people. You know, uh, you know that I can't pass up an opportunity to mention Kinley, Landry, Brody, Paisley. And by the way, I FaceTimed with Paisley this week and I made her smile. And that's really, really exciting for me as a pawpaw. But, uh, you know, Brent, I shared this with some friends recently that Brent, when Kinley and Landry, the two girls, were born, long before Paisley, the fourth child, the third girl, was born, that Brent actually got two kids that he didn't deserve because Kenley and Landry were so sweet. But when Brody, his son, was born, Brent finally got the child that he deserved. (laughs) He did. His kids, he's off the rails. I, I mean, I, there's just every day an unfolding saga to his whole story. As recent as yesterday, when Nicole texted, and this is what her text said: "said we, we just turned our head for just a few moments because you got to watch this kid like around the clock, and he doesn't like sleep, and that's problematic too, isn't it? And so she said, we, we were just away from him for a few seconds, came back in one of the windows in the house. He had taken coconut oil and." He He had just smeared coconut oil over this window. He had just smeared it all over. And they didn't know he did it. They didn't even know he did it till he brought to them the spanking spoon, as it is called. Walked up to Nicole, handed her the spanking spoon, knowing what he had done. And he said, here you go, mommy. I was trying to be a good boy. I just can't. (laughs) I was trying to be. I just can't. And he can't. I've been around this child. He can't. I'm telling you, he cannot. But let me just tell you, because this kid is really smart. I've thought about it since. Now, initially, I thought, that is just so sweet. Hey, you know, here's a spanking spoon. I did it. Tried. But you know me, I just have trouble being sweet. But I think it's deeper than that. I think it's more sinister than that. I think he enjoyed doing that. And then he said, I'm used to getting spanking. So what if I voluntarily take the spanking spoon and pretend then I may get off the hook? And do you know what? It it worked. He didn't get a spanking. How many of you know from this point forward, every time he does something he shouldn't do, here's the spanking spoon. I'm trying to be a good boy. I just can't. This is one smart kid. He really is. What is Maturity. Maturity is this, it is growing up and realizing, and not everybody, how many of you know that sometimes adults act like babies? Maturity is this, growing up and realizing that it's not all about you. Do I need to say that again? Maturity, thank you, Sarah. I most certainly will. Maturity is growing up and realizing that it's not all about you. See, a lot of times we think, well, you know what's gonna make me happy? You know what will make me really happy is it's this. If if I, you know, everybody, I just have demands, and all of my demands are being fulfilled, and you know, I'm just selfish, and I'm just doing my thing, and everybody's supposed to revolve around my, my orbit. That does not bring happiness because you'll never be content. You'll always be looking, 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 looking for Somebody to do something, say something to make you happy. In fact, real happiness is experienced when we're unselfish and we serve. So the goal of our character development is to grow from being a self-centered baby to becoming an unselfish adult. Look at this. Uh, Look at this passage right up here, this verse. Uh, This is a great verse. It's selfish and stupid to think only of yourself. You're like, Jeff, is that in the Bible? That is in the Bible. Proverbs 18.1. It's selfish and stupid to think only of yourself. Somebody has written this great statement. Marriage is a lifelong course in learning how to be unselfish. So what would happen? Maybe you'll take this up as a challenge. Because I can't deal with all the components of what ought to be dealt with in just 35 minutes. But the fact of the matter is, maybe you take up a challenge and you would just say, well, you know, what if I change my mindset? What if I change my perspective uh, on on my marriage and I just said, here's what I'm going to do. Instead of being demanding and, uh, you know, asking and expecting everybody to fulfill all my dreams and wishes. What if you decided that you were going to become the most unselfish, the most loving the most giving, the most serving, what would happen in the vast majority of the time? You know what would happen? It would become reciprocated. It most certainly would. Reason number five, marriage, and I'll just hit this quickly. Marriage matters because it strengthens a society. Marriage matters because it strengthens a society. Now, this is not new to most of you, but uh, history validates that when marriages are strong, typically communities are strong, and nations are strong, and cultures are strong. The antithesis of that would also be true. And when you just hit pause for just a moment, and I'm running out of time, and I want to get to the sixth area quickly. But when you pause for just a moment and you start thinking about, it's a study all in its own the trajectory of our own nation over these last many, 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 many years in regards to families and marriages and spiritual matters. It was like I was mentioning earlier at the outset of this talk that marriages today and marriage as an entity is often, you know, denounced and ridiculed and redefined and, and all of these realities. In regards to families, marriages, spiritual matters, we look at our own nation and we just say, wow, boy, God, we could really, really use some help in that regard. Look at this, look at this verse up on the screen right here. This is out of Proverbs as well. Proverbs fourteen thirty four: righteousness lifts up a nation, but sin is a disgrace in any society. And that is just so absolutely true. Finally, number six. Marriage matters, and I'll say this a couple of three times. Marriage matters because it's a mouthful, because it reflects the relationship and union that we have with Jesus Christ. Marriage matters because it reflects the relationship and union that we have with Jesus Christ. Now, according to Scripture, marriage, it's it's a metaphor. It's a symbol. I'm going to show you a passage that I read at every marriage ceremony that I do, uh, it's, it's a mystery in many respects because it, it is symbolic of our relationship with Jesus. Because from Jesus' perspective, and I wish I had time to delve into this, from Jesus' perspective, his activity, it becomes, his relationship with us becomes a relationship that is rooted in love. His relationship with us is a relationship that is rooted not only in love, but is also rooted in sacrifice. His relationship with us is a relationship that's rooted not just in love and sacrifice, but in extreme unselfishness. Back to the Apostle Paul one last time, and he paints for us a picture, and this is a passage that I read every time. I do a marriage ceremony, and if I've done your ceremony, I read it at some point during that ceremony, and you'll see it on the screen, and you can follow along with me as I read. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, Paul said, actually loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for the body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Look at what Paul says here. This is a profound, what? Mystery. But I'm talking about, he said, Christ and the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. By the way, it's not one of the resources uh, I, you're gonna see on the screen in just a moment. But uh, working on this talk, I was reminded when I came to that passage that uh, there's a guy by the name of Emerson, Emerson Egrich who's written a book, if you wanna read about it in more detail a book called love and respect and uh, if you're looking for the betterment of your own marriage that may be uh, a book that you want to pick up here's a couple of resources and the guys are going to put these up on the screen Uh, two uh, from right now media and you'll see these up on the screen one is the art of marriage and that's put out by family life and the other And be sure you get this down and we're going to keep it up for just a moment be sure and the other is your time-starved marriage. And that's by doctors Leslie and Les Parrott. Now, let me just say this. Right now, media, I don't even know what to do with that. Let me just say, because you belong to Victory Church, you're already a membership. You have a free membership to Right Now Media, and it's sort of the Christian version of Netflix. And there's all these great teachings. You already have a membership. You've just got to access that. You can just go to victorchurch.org and where it says Media, you can click on that, follow it. It will come down to Right Now Media, and it will walk you through. And so here's what you could do. You could dial in your membership, and you could watch... These two and a lot others that that are available to you. So if you're just saying, well, you know what? I just, you know, we're doing okay or we're not doing okay, and we just need to do something that hopefully is going to help us, well, there's a couple of resources on Right Now Media. Then we got in contact with uh, a group of great, great counselors, and we said if there's one book, if there's one book that, um, you know, there's all kind of marriage books, but if there's one book that we would... Uh, recommend, what would that book be? And you see it up on the screen now. Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. So I'm done, but I want to pray for you. And so maybe you're here today and you're engaged. Maybe you're separated. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're married. Maybe you've walked through a divorce. Maybe you're widowed. Wherever you're at, I want you to know God cares about you, and God loves you, and God is for you. If God, I love this verse, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Why can separate us from the love of God? And Paul just went on a litany of things. He's like, no, 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 no. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So if you're single or you're in a marriage, a healthy marriage, or a marriage that is not so healthy or happy right now or whatever your status is, I want you to know that there's a powerful God in heaven that He's watching over you and He cares about you in ways that you cannot even understand. And God is always the God of new opportunities and He takes all of us because all of us make mistakes. All of us have our own share of challenges and uh, we just come and we submit ourselves to God. And we just say, God, help us to move from point A to point B to point C. You lead me, you guide me, and we'll follow. Would you stand for a closing prayer, everybody? So, God, we thank you for giving us this time together. And there are single people in this place right now, and people that are watching online, and they're single. And, Lord... Some of them are just content. They have the gift, like Paul said, the gift of being single. They're they're content. They're fine. The rest of our life, they're totally cool with being single. Others, God, the prospect of having a future mate is pretty exciting to them. And I pray that you will lead and guide them. And I pray that they wouldn't settle for anything less than what is your best for their lives. God, for those that are going through right now marital separation, And God, I just, you know all the nuances. You know all the challenges. And I just pray, God, for them that you would help them to work powerfully some way, somehow, be able to get back on track. For those who have come through a divorce, like my mom and dad, although it's been painful, God, I pray that they would see that you are the God of the future. And that, God, we're going to trust you with a future. For those that are married and happily married, God, we thank you for that. Their relationship is healthy and growing. It's not perfect because there's imperfect people. That's a part of the relationship. But God, I just pray that they will continue in the vein that they're in. And their marriage will get better as they love you more and more. They'll love each other more. For marriages that are going through a struggle, it doesn't seem like right now they're happily married, that they would reach out, God, and get some help, the help that they need, through a resource, through a book, through some counseling whatever it is. But God, we thank you that you never leave us. You never forsake us. You are for us and not against us. And for that, we give you praise. Bless every person here in Jesus name. Everybody said, amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand clap of praise before we leave this place today? God bless you, everybody. See you next week. Brand new series, questions I want to ask God.